Was there a burrito that just came in, by yeah, the way? That, that it there was. My burrito delivery person is here. <laughs> Should I have to broadcast with a scent, the smell of burrito everywhere in the studio? Honestly, is it a burrito or is it you? It's a burrito. Okay. No, it's actually Josh. <laughs> was it Uber Eats? That's right. Okay, because, you know, we're going to start with a great food delivery uh, story because it's all well and good. You can call up Uber Eats you know, here on Earth and get something delivered to Chorus Key. And in our case, the delivery driver came in the studio. Then the red light came on, and now he can't leave. Oh, are you trying? Do you want to leave? You don't want to leave. It's a good show. You're probably going to want to stay right till 3 o'clock. Uh, anyways, the ultimate Uber Eats delivery has finally reached its uh, destination. Uh, it was launched uh, last week. Uh, this company, uh, it's... Uh, a space company, they have a capsule, and they actually uh, went into orbit and delivered to the International Space Station a, a bunch of stuff they needed. And by needed, I mean like candy. And cheese. Yeah, cheese and like uh, uh, it was a Mike and Ike's was the other big thing <laughs> that they wanted. Which I don't know, think you can get those in space. So like, Well, first of all, when did space food change? That's what I want to know. Because all I've ever known my entire life is that when they eat in outer space, it's all this, like, uh, freeze-dried stuff that's, like, in toothpaste tubes, right? Yeah, exactly. That uh, normally you just got to squeeze the tube, and it's like squeeze cheese almost, and you just devour it. But now they can actually eat, like, honest-to-goodness, just everyday food up there? Apparently. Well, I, oh, I, would, I would say that, okay, we have an expert on the line, so I could be wrong, but... I'm going to take a guess and say that that's for longevity, whereas if they're going to be, you know, flying these out to you right away, you can eat them right away. But the idea of freeze-dried is because you're there for like a year. Yeah, by the way, if you're grabbing the Ikes and Mikes to deliver them to the International Space Station, and make sure you get the ones with the longest best before date. Actually, does Ike and Mike's, does that if even... even expire, no, I don't, know could, could I, I don't think that goes bad. No. In fact, it's probably better the older it is. Well, you could probably send up a couple of McDonald's combos, too, and they'd be good for the whole the whole rate, too. For That's sure. right. Uh, Ike and Mike's is like a fine wine. It gets better with age, That's don't right. you know? Yeah. But the thing that really cracked me up about this story, never mind the fact that the astronauts ordered this and they were able to send a capsule up with everything for them, but I was just picturing once the Ike and Mike's arrives on the ISS... Like, do they just, like, uh, crack open the box? And, like, could you imagine eating Ike and Mike's in weightlessness in a gravity-free area? Like, all of a sudden, all the little candies are floating everywhere. <laughs> and just like sailing into them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> eating them out of the air, snatching them one by one. Sounds very, very relaxing. It would be a lot of fun. As a matter of fact, uh, we might get the chance to experience that experience that ourselves because uh, also making some space news on this Thursday is Elon Musk's SpaceX. They've unveiled plans to fly not one, not two, not three, but four privately paying tourists into orbit sometime between 2021 and 2022. So like in the next uh, year and a half, uh, two years, not that far off. Let's get our uh, space expert on, Paul Delaney. He joins us now here on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Uh, Paul, good afternoon. Hi there, Jeff. That's uh, Al. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, first of all, have you ever uh, considered eating Ike and Mike's in outer space? Well, I could consider it, but I don't have the price tag available to me to get up there. But it would certainly be different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, I had no idea that they were actually consuming like hard goods from Earth uh, in space now. Uh, when did that change? I thought it was nothing but oh, tang and stuff no. out of freeze dried packets. 
you're, you're a few decades behind you. I'm sorry. What else is new? Yeah, yeah uh, so the space shuttle era is when things really began to change, uh, and we started spending you know up to a couple of weeks in space. Uh, so while they are still uh, not, shall I say, crumbly foods, because you don't want to have a lot of crumbs floating around in your uh, capsule, the uh, ability to uh, literally microwave material and uh, you know have much more traditional foods in space has been part of the course now for probably the last 30 years. The, the toothpaste tube really did go out in the 70s. All right, so Mike and Ike's good, but Miss Vicky's, forget that, too many crumbs still. I'm afraid so. It's yeah. bad news to short out your computer during re-entry. That would not go down well. Nobody wants that. Uh, all right, let's talk about <laughs> Elon Musk and his uh, latest plan with a SpaceX. Uh, what do you make? Is this pretty ambitious by 2022 to get four private citizens in orbit? Oh, no. I, in fact, I'm, I'm surprised we hadn't heard about it before. We're now within one flight of the uh, Crew Dragon flying to the International Space Station. It's the last hurdle NASA wants to jump. Uh, before they start routinely taking you know, U.S. astronauts from U.S. soil from you know, the U.S. into Earth orbit. They haven't done that since 2011. And SpaceX has been leading that charge. They're not the only group in town. Boeing, of course, wants to be able to do it with their Starliner very shortly. But SpaceX wants to go one step beyond that after they've shown the capability to go into and out of uh, Earth orbit. For NASA, that's when space tourism is really going to begin to uh, become part and parcel of our uh, every year activity. So uh, about a year from now or so for orbit, uh, later this year we'll probably even see uh, Virgin Galactic flying suborbital with paying customers. So the era of space tourism is about to change quite dramatically. Wow, okay, it's uh, ramping up uh, even quicker than, uh, well, space food, I guess. Uh, (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, having said that, this really is for the chosen few on a number of different levels. And let's start with the cost, because that was also unveiled. And SpaceX is looking for $52 million per person. $52 million. That's true. And, you know, as, as silly as this sounds, that's actually a bit of a bargain, because the U.S. has been paying Russia about $75 million a seat to fly their astronauts on the Soyuz to the International Space Station. Uh, so, yeah, it's expensive to go into orbit uh, at this point in time. You and I are not about to do it, mate. Uh, but nonetheless, $50 million compared to 75 it actually is a bit of a bargain. <laughs> okay, when you put it in, that, in those terms, sure, Paul. Uh, having said that, not only do you need a big uh, pocketbook, but uh, do you also need uh, some pretty big medical clearances here as well? I mean, can just anyone go into space if they can write the check? I think the answer to that has to be no. They're a little light on details there. But again, using the uh, the space tourism uh, that uh, Russia was engaged in flying to the International Space Station to the first part of this century, uh, as long as you are in reasonable health, you're prepared to go through two or three months' worth of, you know, shall I say, basic training and so on, you're, you really are not flying the capsule. You're just sort of you know, being able to tolerate the three or four G's worth of acceleration that vehicles uh, you know, will deliver to you. So generally speaking, you, if you wanted to, are probably in fine enough health after just a little bit of training to be able to do it. So, no, that's not going to be a big impediment, but there will be some minimum threshold that people will have to reach. Okay, what taxes you physically the most? Is it the liftoff? Is it re-entry? Uh, do we know uh, what uh, really, really taxes astronauts? 
Well, certainly uh, the the two uh, arenas that you just cited, launch and landing, are the most taxing. Uh, And landing tends to be the one where you're pulling more gravitational acceleration. So when you're dropping out of orbit, at the moment you can be uh, subjected to up to around about six or seven uh, times your weight during that re-entry process. During ascent, it's more like three or four. The space shuttle was very, very gentle by comparison. Uh, we haven't actually seen the, uh, the crude dragon go into and out of uh, Earth orbit yet. So whether or not the acceleration, the deacceleration, is very much different to uh, what I've just said, sort of three or four on ascent and six or seven on descent, we, we I'm sure somebody knows, but <laughs> I'm not aware of it. But six or seven times uh, the gravitational acceleration, your weight is still pretty hefty. But fortunately, you're only subjected to that for a few minutes. Yeah, I, this might be a pretty rudimentary question and maybe an obvious one because somebody who studies the space is an expert in space explore, exploration. I'm sure your answer is yes, Paul, but uh, if you had the 52 million, would you want to go? Would you go? I, I would, absolutely. And I've always wanted to do that, even from the days of Apollo back in the 60s, where it was considerably more dangerous than it is now. Uh, but the, the idea of being able to fly into Earth orbit has, has certainly captivated me. And you only have to look at the lineups for people you know, who want to become astronauts. And I bet, uh, with respect to Virgin Galactic and uh, SpaceX, to fly into orbit soon, I'm not alone. Okay, then what is wrong with me? <laughs> and I know that's kind of a loaded question, but uh, honestly, Paul, I don't. I'm not going there, Jim. <laughs> uh, I don't even like the flight to the West Coast. Sometimes that's too long. You know, never mind trying to leave Earth's orbit to, to go into uh, space. Well, uh, the good news, of course, is that you could fly into orbit far faster than you could fly to the West Coast, and coming down similarly. Uh, I mean, you know, you can fly around the world in 90 minutes. I mean, that's got to be appealing at some level. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's just uh, the enormity of the whole thing and just trying to get your head around the fact that uh, you would be leaving the planet. Uh, it's it's maybe more mental than it is physical. I, I think it is. I mean, you remember back about five or six years ago, there was that group called Mars One who wanted to take astronauts uh, and send them to Mars on a one-way trip. Uh, right. and they wanted to do it by about now. Uh, putting aside the one-way trip business, there were 100,000 people who applied for consideration to be a part of that Mars One expedition. So there are a lot of people who want to get out of Dodge. Uh, there's no question in the world about that. Yeah, just finally, do we know what this capsule for SpaceX and space tourism, what it's going to look like? Because here's my other fear, is that I'm going to end up like uh, those people in that viral video from earlier this week. I'm going to be the guy with the seat that doesn't recline and next to the washroom on the spacecraft, and somebody else is going to be fully reclined in front of me. We, we do know what the Crew Dragon vehicle looks like. It can hold up to seven, so the four passengers on board will be relatively roomy. Uh, so, you know, it, it won't be terribly cramped. Compare that to the Soyuz spacecraft where you really are feeling like a sardine. There are three of you really in very, very cramped quarters. By comparison, the Crew Dragon, as well as the Starliner from Boeing, will be quite spacious. And if you're going up only for a day or two, you're probably not going to feel claustrophobic. But it is still a relatively small environment. I mean, it's smaller than your bedroom, and you've got you know three or four people with you. So if you do suffer any level of claustrophobia, spaceflight in the near future is not likely for you.
Yeah, and the fact that it's $52 million, I'm sure there's going to be more than uh, four people that apply uh, for these uh, prestigious uh, seats. So I don't know how they're going to decide if it's just going to be a random lottery or an interview process. Uh, do you think, Paul, you would enhance your chances if you showed up in a Star Wars or a Star Trek shirt? Um, I'm not really sure how to answer that okay. one. <laughs> Just food for thought, I think. Uh, Paul Delaney, our <laughs> space expert. Uh, Paul, pleasure as always. Thanks so much for joining us. Take care.